Today on Writers Get Animated, we're talking Ralph Breaks the Internet. We're going to deconstruct it! Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation and for like the 15th time this year, Disney animated movies. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. And today, as Chris said, we're talking about Ralph Breaks the Internet, which is a new movie from Disney Animation, or just Disney, or whatever variety of Disney you want to call it. <laughs> yes, I, I think we have to say Disney Feature Animation. Disney Feature Animation. There it is. There's the money. That's, that's, the, that's the term. And that's the one, that's the count. So this one is in the Disney animated canon officially. As opposed to Lion King 2 or something like that. Because that was a direct-to-video sequel. Right. Made by a different studio. Exactly. So it was still Disney, but not of the mainline Disney. So this continues. If you've listened to our look through the Disney canon, this continues the current age of the Disney ages. So let's talk I about see. that. <laughs> What's let's. so so this age early on in this age we got Wreck-It Ralph in believe it or not 2012. I know that number Ooh. doesn't seem a lot lower than 2018. But man that was a long time ago. <laughs> Especially for like internet and gaming. Yes. That's like 40 or 50 years <laughs> in internet time. And in movie time, that was pre-Frozen. How many Disney movies did you see in theaters before Frozen? Exactly. Yeah, probably not that many. This is uh, Wreck-It Ralph was Jennifer Lee's entrance into the Disney company. Hmm. It's Ooh. very full circle, because now it's her first right. executive producer, right? Yeah. So she, uh, she wrote Wreck-It Ralph, and then she directed Frozen, and now she's starting. She's, she's powerful and in an awesome place. Yeah. More power to her. That's what Disney said. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I believe it's well-deserved, and I'm excited about Jennifer Lee being in charge of things. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm super excited. It's weirdly fitting that, like, her first two films she's working on are, like, the presumably end of this period of Disney history with Wreck-It Ralph 2 and Frozen 2, since she started with Wreck-It Ralph 1 and Frozen 1 in that order. <laughs> We're making it 2012-2013 again. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, as you put, it's, it's the first Disney movie of the Disney feature animated films to actually get a sequel in theaters. Yeah, and not just like another chronological Winnie the Pooh movie. Well, okay, I shouldn't say this. Um, yes, of the modern era, the first one to get a sequel. But we know like in Disney feature film history, there's The Rescuers and The Rescuers Down Under. There's Fantasia, Fantasia 2000. Mm-hmm. But those were a long time ago. 
I think I read <laughs> that this is the first Disney sequel created by the original team from the first film. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. I mean, only six years have passed, so I hope that they're able to get them. Low bar for clearance for that one. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't like Pixar, you know, where it's the same people just making every movie. So, of course, they're going to be doing the sequel as well. Yeah. At and least you, now they're branching out. Yes. If you didn't know that Ralph Breaks the Internet is a sequel, um, I would argue, does it matter? Hence why they didn't put two in the name of the movie. Yeah, they just called it Ralph Breaks the Internet. So, I mean, there are a couple things there that you have to know. You have to know who Ralph is. Do you? Do you? I think they Maybe tell you not. at the beginning, pretty much. They do. In like, some I had this ways. game, I love this shop, now I'm friends with Penelope, and we hang out every day after work. Done. That's, that's Wreck-It Ralph 1. <laughs> you don't have to see it now. Yeah. Actually, you do. It's so good. It is. You should still see it. If you like Ralph Breaks the Internet and you haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph 1, see Wreck-It Ralph 1. But this is not like Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Like, you don't need to see the movie before it. You don't need to see the movie after it. These works stand alone, but they're nice together. In a lot of ways, it's much like Kill Bill Volume 2 to go in a non-animated way. Because I saw that one first and had a better experience than all my friends who had seen the first one and were expecting something completely different. Because it's a tonal shift. So I believe <clears throat> that Ralph Breaks the Internet is more like Ralph Volume 2 and should be seen together, much like Incredibles and Incredibles 2. I feel like it's more like the second half of one long movie as opposed to um, something separate. Now, you don't need the first movie because it's complete on its own and tells its own complete story. Mm-hmm. But I think it adds something extra when paired really well with the first one. Yeah, there's flavorings that after having seen Rough Breaks the Internet like a week ago now or something mm-hmm. um, and digesting on it, there's things that I think the fir- having seen the first movie adds to it, like essentially ralph spoilers ralph is the bad guy but unintentionally in the sequel and the whole point of the first one is that he doesn't want to be a bad guy and so Mm. thematically i think that's really interesting if you've seen both movies Mm. i i agree i think that what's really nice about this modern disney era that we're getting is that even in the sequels well this is the first one. We'll see what happens with Frozen 2 um, next year. But um, you get character-based problems. So it's not something external that's happening. It's the characters' choices that are causing where they end up. And they, the real villain are you know, themselves and their insecurities. Yeah, I really love that. I loved... I was... And I think Ralph Breaks the Internet sets you up to think that one of the new characters is going to be the bad guy, but I loved that there wasn't really a bad guy. Mm-hmm. The bad guy is feelings. <laughs> and not being honest about them with your friends. There we go. 
<laughs> I was like, the first part of that sentence is like the Midwest. <laughs> the bad guy's feelings. <laughs> repress, 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 and it's gone. <sighs> Which so, I think is the moral of Frozen. Don't repress. Right, don't repress your feelings. The bad feelings. guy is not having feelings. <laughs> so I guess that's the... Um, <clears throat> they, they took a... It's, it's the spiritual sequel to Frozen. Is <laughs> you know you have to express these things because look what happens. Look what happens. So, so you say that Frozen is Wreck It Ralph two, and Ralph breaks the internet oh. is Frozen two, and Frozen two is Wreck It Ralph four. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I would. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this a little bit <laughs> before we get too deep into this. Um, Ralph breaks the internet. Uh, how do we want to handle this? You hadn't seen the original Wreck-It Ralph when we were talking through the Disney canon. Is that true? Um, for most of it, yes. I think I did watch the first Wreck-It Ralph before we talked about this era of Disney for that episode of our podcast. Even though we didn't really talk about it there, I did watch it before that point. Okay. I have your movies anywhere. Log in. I watched Wreck-It Ralph there. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. Welcome to the family. Um, (laughs) So let's talk about what they did. I I think we want to let's we'll do the the flyby version of this, you know, the overhead version of creating this film. And then we can really get into the meat and small potatoes of it. Does that sound okay? Yeah, totally. Okay, so when we talk when we talk sequels, um, there are a lot, couple different ways you can do a sequel and a couple different reasons you can do a sequel. And I think some people assume Disney does sequels for one reason, and that may be true, um, to make money. And I like I like to think of it. Sorry to interject. I like to think of it please. this way: it's it's not to make money; it's to meet the demand for more of those characters from the audience. Which are they one and the same? Possibly. <laughs> um, I was I was trying to say there's that cynical view that you can take. I mm. I don't take that cynical view. Um, I think it does pay off for them to give the audience more of what they want. But also, the fact that Wreck-It Ralph is the first sequel that we've gotten shows that it's not just merely produce, 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 produce in the same way. They, I think the easiest one that they could have made a sequel to is Big Hero 6. That's a superhero movie. It clearly sets itself up. And instead, they made a TV show out of it. Yeah, and Tangled gets a show as well, and I think there are... So yeah, this is the first big screen sequel, but we have the Tangled series, we have the Big Hero 6 series, we have um, a bunch of Frozen shorts. Olaf's Frozen Adventure. (laughs) Yeah. We're finding the right venue for all these extra stories to tell, and it does feel like Ralph Breaks the Internet is the story that needed to be told after the first one ends. And I think that's the other reason that you make the sequel. Because the story has something else to say. 
And that's that's the story writerly way to look at it. It's like, I have more to say about this. Um, and sometimes you plan for it, you know, Harry Potter series or Arlo Finch or what's his name? Who's getting another story? I don't know. <laughs> Artemis Fowl, I guess, who's getting his first Disney movie. I was going to go like Fifty Shades. <laughs> yeah, that too. You know, you plan for these. And then there are ones where uh, you decide to do another one. Um, a second Mary Poppins, for instance, or um, a seventh uh, Star Wars film, you know, where it may be semi, it makes sense, but it's not necessarily part of a plan that was put in place. I might get some hate for saying about Star Wars 7. Being... It was a different plan than what was put in place. Absolutely. <laughs> so, thank you. But I feel, I, I know that Rich Moore and the makers of Wreck-It Ralph love the characters a lot. Um, how could you not? If you've seen the first one, those characters are really adorable and amazing. And there's some of the, I don't want to hang out with very many Disney characters, but I think they would be great to hang out with. You and Vanellope would make a great duo. I, I think so. We'd, like, we'd have a lot of fun. Sassing everyone on the street when she's not playing in Death Race. <sighs> so I can't awesome. picture you in Death Race. In Slaughter Race? Slaughter Race? Sorry. Yeah. I went Tarantino there. Was that Tarantino? <laughs> Death Race? Um, Death Car? Death. Yeah, what is that called? Death Proof. Death Proof. There we go. Yeah. So I combined Slaughter Race and Death Proof. <laughs> Death Cars. Um... A knockoff sequel. That's what kids will be accidentally buying on DVD. That's the, the Russian-made Netflix animated version of this. <laughs> You're welcome, Russia. <laughs> um, so they, they were talking about how much they love the characters, but they were also... I remember very early on after seeing it, um, seeing the original Wreck-It Ralph, that they were talking about hey, we want to make a sequel and we'd probably do something with the internet. And the, it was very early on they were talking about what they would do with the characters. Maybe internet gaming, which was very different, you know, six years ago than it is now. But it's, it's interesting that the creators got to um, actually do that story. And it's... It, it, it was very, it was very what, Chris? It was very enjoyable, is what I was going to say. <laughs> well, one thing that was satisfying to me is, like you mentioned earlier, like six years ago in internet time and gaming time is forever ago. It's 50 years. Um, and I know that at one point I was reading one of the interviews with one of the people who worked on this movie, and they were saying one of the challenges was to find things for the internet that were recognizable but would be more evergreen because mm. uh, they were talking when they first started working on this movie just three years ago like actually starting production they were going to have like a double rainbow joke and the double rainbow meme if you're a kid listening to this podcast ask your parents what double rainbow is <laughs> It's an old thing. It's an old person thing of three years ago. That was a double rainbow thing. What yeah. does the double rainbow mean? Oh, that's 
things move fast in the internet. And I was really afraid. That was one of my main fears is when you go after something like that, that is so present that it would either date the film or have references to things that maybe aren't things anymore, especially because of how long animated films take, or that it would feel a little bit corporate-y and um, product placement-y, like um, the Emoji movie. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it, it may not feel organic. And this one, I do feel, is organic and tells a story where the internet is the setting, but it's not the core of it. But I've also read a number of reviews of, like, I don't know, crotchety old film reviewers who are just like, this has nothing of substance, it is totally of the moment, and everything's a fad! (laughs) Like, I really don't think it is. I think it's hard to make an evergreen movie about the internet, but I think this will be a remembered piece of this time. Right. And in a lot of ways, it's not trying to... I, I think what happens because of character, it makes more sense than what the internet things are portraying. It's because they created an internet where Ralph can um, have self-discovery as opposed to an internet that shows what the internet actually is. You know, does, does that make sense? Yeah, I totally agree. I think a good example of this, and again, I did not take down where specifically this comes from, um, but one of the things that I thought was really oddly specific when I was watching the movie was the eBay scene when they're bidding on the steering wheel. Yes. And they overbid, and they owe $27,001. Yes. But... Ultimately, that scene was kept in as like a cautionary tale of the internet of like, this is real money. These are gaming characters. They thought it was gaming money and they realize it's real money. And this is a thing that I think happens to kids all too often these days of you don't Mm. realize it's real money, especially when you're Mm. really young and using the internet or these games. And I think while that's a really specific example, it's a universal experience for like, people 10 years younger than you or I and below. <laughs> that's, that's probably very true. Um, and they do come across, and one thing that they, um, the creators were talking about is how Ralph and Vanellope are more like small-town people. They don't know. They've never been to a big city. You know, everything they know is smaller. And then they end up in this place that goes on forever. And now they just don't know how anything works mm-hmm. and, and how, what, the, what the world does and what's the meaning of anything there. And that eBay thing clinches it, which I think was probably one of the better scenes of the film, just because, one, dramatic irony, and two, it's just, it, it's like, how are they going to get themselves into bigger trouble? And it's all because of them misunderstanding something and rushing into something. Yeah. And I think it's the rushing into it, the 
the brashness that is because a more calculating character would have sat and watched things for a while and figured out what things worked and then like oh oh i see this is money <laughs> as an adult you watch it and go like where are they going to get five hundred dollars and then you see them get into it and you're like oh we're just ratcheting up the stakes okay so talking about stakes, um, can we can we give a little bit of an overview of the plot so we can then start diving into these a little bit more um, specifically? Sure. Would you like to give it a shot? Okay, let me see if I can do it in <clears throat> a couple beats uh, with All a right. couple side notes. Hit it. Um, the beginning of the movie, our point of rest that we have is Ralph and Vanellope are friends. They do their everyday job at the arcade and every day after work, they hang out at Tappers and just have a great night. And it's been this way for six years and they're best friends. And everything is fine until um, the owner of the arcade plugs in Wi-Fi. Um, and it's this new element that's there for them. And Sonic gives a great speech about like the dangers of the Internet. Because, of course, Sonic needs a monologue. Side note, Sonic was the source of exposition in the first movie as well. Yes. Which is great, that he was just a billboard. But what's really funny is in the first movie, the only thing you had to understand was that if you die outside of your game, you die for real. This has been Sonic with the one thing you need to know to understand the stakes in this movie. Yes. Bye! That was it. That's all you needed. And then he brought, who was here as an actual character, brought out because there were more things to explain exposition-wise. Wise old Sonic, who's in an arcade for some reason, um, tells us the rules of this. Um, <laughs> and so like, great, okay, but we're going to continue with our lives, which I thought was wonderful. It's like, here's a new thing. We don't care. That doesn't affect us. And then ultimately... Um, Vanellope expresses a desire for things to be a little bit different and more exciting. And Ralph doesn't understand that, but wants to help his friend. So he tries to make things more exciting, and it winds up breaking Vanellope's game. And they all, all the characters have to flee the arcade game, and they become homeless, because the arcade owner unplugs it. It's physically broken. The steering wheel on the arcade cabinet breaks. It's not something the game characters can go and fix themselves. This is not Toy Story. So right. it all seems hopeless. But, rolling back, they have this new thing, the internet. So they go to the internet to finding steering wheel to help the arcade owner get this and fix the game so he doesn't get rid of it and Vanellope can have her life back. Hijinks ensue. They spend way too much real money and don't have the funds to get the steering wheel, so they need to figure out how to do that. Um, this leads to an argument. Vanellope goes into online gaming to try and figure out how to do that. And Ralph starts making viral videos with BuzzTube because likes equal money in this weird... I mean, I mean, obviously, BuzzTube evokes BuzzFeed and YouTube, so like you get the concept of it. And likes become money because the more people watch your videos on YouTube, the more money you get if you're like a YouTube creator or whatever. So in some ways, it makes sense, but not necessarily by the like. I enjoy yeah. that... We needed the character, yes, whose who's, um, BuzzTube's uh, lead algorithm. Which, which is cute. Which I, I enjoy. And who decides what's popular and you know, decides 
how things rise to the top. Um, and I just enjoy that they had to find a way to for Ralph to get money. How does how does a digital character get real money? Mm-hmm. It works. It does work. It's kind of complicated. It simplifies a lot of things in real life, but as a kid, I think that's fine. That's what you need to know about how money works on the internet. And because it's it's not really about that. It's not really about that at all. It's using this as a vehicle because they're digital characters. So it need, they can only make money through digital means. They can't do anything else. Um, now, one thing that I thought was interesting as we go through looking at the plot, so two characters made bad decisions that cause the need for them to go to the internet. So Ralph goes into Vanellope's game Sugar Rush uh, to make a new track for her. She's so good, she knows everything. It's, it's boring for her to be on the track. He makes a new one, and she goes off-road on this track. And she makes that decision. So yes, he made this track, but she makes a decision to follow it. Then, the, and to use the Tron lingo, um, the user is trying to steer Vanellope back onto the track, and Vanellope keeps staying on the track that Ralph created. So she's fighting back and forth, and it's having a physical fight with the user over the steering wheel of who's going to have control of it. And that's when it physically breaks off. Yeah. Just saying Vanellope made this bad decision also? Yes, it's her saying, I'm going to stay on this track that ends up breaking the steering wheel, but it's Ralph that puts her in that path. She doesn't want to be user-controlled. She wants to be the super-talented AI that the user has to beat. Correct. And because she's trying to be controlled by that, it snaps and, well, no, it gets pulled off and then... The, the user goes up to Mr. Litwack and says, hey, it's broken. He tries to fix it. And it, it's like, oh, it looks like it could be fixed. And then you have to make it so that, nope, it's broken. It is not going to happen. And the reason that he can't just go online and buy the steering wheel for 200 bucks is the game isn't worth it. He runs an arcade game with... That runs on quarters. Like, he's not going to make enough money to justify. <laughs> he's like, I can't do that. Like, it may be fun, but I, where am I going to get $200? I just spent $50 on this new router. This is not Dave and Busters. Right. I mean, it's, it's Litwax Arcade. The man has a, what, a G4 iMac back there? Like, <laughs> I did laugh at that. Like, as an adult, you go like, oh, he needs money. <laughs> like, he has no money. This is from 1999. <laughs> he has games from the 80s, computer technology from the 90s. <laughs> the man lives in the past. I was and surprised sugar... that his computer could get online. I know, right? So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Litwack does not have money, and, and Ralph sees this way. But I, I do enjoy that both of them made a choice 
about that gets the game broken. It's a lot of blame gets put on Ralph for making the track, but then there's also this unspoken thing of Vanellope fighting against the user's control mm-hmm. that that breaks the game. Do so they ever come back and address that at all? They don't. Okay. They don't. Hmm. They don't. But I there's something about me that appreciated that both of them were culpable, but somehow Ralph gets all the blame for making the track. But she did turn onto it. Mm-hmm. So I guess for me spiritually, I feel like the princess scene later is like the emotional turning point for Vanellope. Mm. I feel like that that clears that for me. Even though it doesn't I, I, directly address it. You're right. And I think it, it does have to it it's something that's not spoken. But it does get remedied because of her wants, her real wants. Like she thinks that she wants the steering wheel, and what the steering wheel represents is returning back to her old life and her life with Ralph. When that's not what she wants, because she didn't want that at the beginning of the movie, why would she want that now? So it's coming to realize no, I don't want this this is what ralph wants ralph wants the steering wheel to make sure that she gets everything she wants or everything that he wants Mm -hmm. because why would she not want to be his best friend and i think this is where um it's i don't i don't believe it's necessarily and we, we have this argument a lot, um, not between us, but... <laughs> with the world. With the world about just because it's animated, is it for kids? And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a children's film. It's a family film that's open for a lot of different people, but I, I just enjoy how it talks about friendship and being a friend and what it's really about in, in a more adult way and not about... Um, and in a personal, emotional way, it's, they have to figure out who they are for themselves. Yeah. Um, while they go into this fantastic world with all these new rules, and it's the internet, and it's big, and it's flashy, the rules of the movie are essentially the rules of real life, and that the happy ending of the last one isn't going to last forever. That's how real life is. And that's the moral of this one. You can't be friends forever with someone you can but you have to like let them grow and be their own person too and that's what Mm -hmm. ralph breaks the internet is about right that's it that's all it is about Mm -hmm. there is no happy ending but it can still be happy as long as you don't expect that picture perfect kodak moment to last forever right happy is not this one situation happy is being able to understand that other person and being together through whatever changes happen. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's it. Um, With the first film, it was just about Ralph learning that he can do something for someone else and be a friend and do the right thing. And someone could like him for who he was, even though he is quote, a bad guy, you know? And this one is just about, well, who is Ralph? And what is a real friendship like? 
you know, is it the same thing over and over and over because you're a video game character? Because in some ways, the first movie talked about how he got tired of getting thrown off the roof by these citizens of, of his game. Mm-hmm. And he's just tired of it. And he's just exhausted from it. And in some ways, he ignores Vanellope's like, I'm exhausted of always winning and always doing this. And I know all the courses. He can't see, he can't empathize in the same way because, like, no, things are perfect now because we're friends. Mm-hmm. Like, everything's fine because of this relationship. It still happens over and over and over again, but he likes it now. Right. I can handle it because we're together. Mm-hmm. Which is a very toxic way of looking at it. <laughs> and they get with that. And that's ultimately the bad guy of the movie is Ralph's toxic feelings. And they have, where was this? Um, <laughs> I think this was um, a question that was, what's the worst place you could put a person who defines himself by how other people feel about him? <laughs> the comment the, section of the internet. The comment section of the internet. There we go. Uh, <laughs> so um, one of the other writers, Phil Johnson, in the movie, um, says, um, when we, quote, when we met him at the beginning, he had been ostracized for all these years, and that doesn't just go away. Your past lives with you. And so as... Rich said that wasn't cured at the end of the first movie. He made a friend, and he defines himself through that friend. If that kid likes me, how bad can I be? So we started thinking, what would Ralph say if that kid doesn't like me? What am I? Mm-hmm. Um, and also taking in the idea of the internet as the thing that breaks things that you love, <laughs> in a weird way. Um, they talked a lot about, I read this interview, and we'll have it in our show notes, about um, toxic fandom. Yeah, that was really interesting. Um, and they had a quote here from Rich Moore that was saying, it's both kind of scary and intriguing to me that people can love something so much that they will then try to destroy it if it is not how they expect it to be. And it's a lot like how Ralph is. I would say there's a huge component of that in Ralph. If I can't have it exactly the way I want it, then I will destroy it. Inadvertently, I think. Mm-hmm. Which is true for Ralph. He doesn't go out of his way to try to wreck the internet or wreck Vanellope's life. He's not trying to hurt things. He's trying to manipulate... <laughs> this sounds awful. He's trying to manipulate Vanellope's feelings to get her to go back to just the way things used to be. Why? I really liked that you added this to our show notes and something that I found that I thought was meta interesting about this was while this movie's about toxic fandom, destroying things, there was an example while this movie's being made of fandom, making it better when it could have been portrayed in a toxic light. Mm, uh, yes. And it wasn't. Uh, so essentially, when the first trailer dropped with the princess scene in it, um, a lot of fans pointed out that uh, Princess Tiana from The Princess of the Frog was essentially just made into a generic pretty girl and didn't represent the black princess that she was from New Orleans. 
And rather than Disney being offended by this and coming back at it or sticking with the original point, they listened to the fans on this point and reanimated Tiana to more resemble her original look and be more true to her portrayal. And you can see the difference. Yeah. And I could totally see that if... I mean, it's one of those, like, real-life, like, gray area fandom things. It's hard to say, like, what could have happened or what should have happened. And I think that what we got was the best possible scenario. And I don't know if just people who worked on the movie understood the moral of the story and the lesson about toxic fandom. Um, and didn't see this fandom as toxic. It was wanting to help and be better. And I think that's something about understanding your place as a fan and or to put it as another way as someone who loves something what is your place in it is it to control things you know are you gonna go out and try to you know destroy and insult the people who created something and drive them off the internet completely that's never happened in the history of the internet. Never. Ever. Or are you going to be supportive and try to find your own way to understand that and see if you could elicit change in a positive way? But also think about your own reactions to this. You know, is this valid? Or am I coloring this with my own insecurities? Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing more of this in an age where practically we can't have every human of every flavor working on every piece of entertainment we're seeing people be um, open to that feedback when something that they've done isn't as positive as it could be mm. um, a, a more black and white example of this is uh, if you listen if you're a longtime listener of our show you'll know that Mackenzie is a fan of Nintendo um, and there's a new game coming out where it's all the Nintendo characters fighting each other. And there's one character that um, all the Japanese programmers gave an animation of um, like a stereotypical like 1950s Native American like headdress setting things on fire. That was uh, offensive, but the Japanese programmers didn't realize this. And uh, it's been fixed. Game's not out. They're just like, Thank you for pointing this out. That is offensive. We will do better next time, and it will not be in the final game. Hmm. So again, more black and white example of like purely offensive and unintentionally there versus Tiana just not really being offensive but not true to the character. Um, but we are at an age where fandom doesn't have to be toxic, but fandom can be collaborative. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the if you really love this thing, then approach it with an understanding that that thing is its own thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you were not the owner of that. You were not the controller. And I think that's, that's another thing that brings up uh, the Disney princesses, just themselves as characters in this. Because you start to think, why have the Disney princesses in this film 
at all. So if, if it's not just, uh, hey, let's be silly with Disney stuff, you know, we own this, we might as well just do something silly because you don't grab all the original voice actresses for the Disney princesses to just not do it for a good reason. Um, and I love how Ralph chooses where to go, <laughs> mm-hmm. where to send her. He doesn't want her to go to slaughter race. So he says somewhere where, you know, she can't get hurt somewhere that she'll be fine. And what's the safest place on the internet? Oh, my Disney. Oh, my Disney. Um, I don't know if I, if I could say that with, I couldn't say that with a straight face, but <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense. In a Disney movie, the safest place to go is the family-friendly Oh My Disney. Not, just, not even Disney.com, but like Oh My Disney, the place for fans, the place for Disney fans to go to express their love and fandom about everything that they're excited about. And then to have Vanellope go in with these Disney princesses and it's been in the trailers. Thankfully they didn't put the whole scene in the trailers, so there were yeah. still some surprises. There are more princess moments, don't worry. But it's it's just interesting that you get these Disney princesses and generally what defines the princess is the thing that happened to them and the prince. You know, that's generally speaking what happens to that to those characters we didn't see Kristoff. we didn't see any you know prince charming the only prince that we got was the frog so mm-hmm. we got we got navim in frog form which was fun to see but we didn't get really any any other princes in the film it's all just the princesses on themselves defining themselves you know together but still also defining themselves by the thing that happened to them if they have magic hands or magic hair or were they captured by somebody or poisoned <laughs> that's how they define themselves well i think they're i think the message is that's how people define them correct yes yeah. thank you for <clears throat> correcting that yeah but but it also defines um Vanellope that she <laughs> she's just defined by Ralph. That's that's who she she's defined by and she's recognizing that like oh I'm just around because because of Ralph. That's how people see me as Ralph's second banana in a way. It's true in the context of the title and story of the movie. It's true in the moment of for the character of Vanellope. It's true in that she is a princess and was made by Disney, and no one ever said, Vanellope's a Disney princess before Ralph breaks the internet six years after her premiere. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole induction ceremony you have to go through. I mean, not even Giselle from Enchanted is a Disney princess, which I believe is a travesty. I'm sure that at least Vanellope will be inducted at this point. I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. Hashtag Princess Vanellope. Justice for Vanellope. Justice for Vanellope. Thank you. I mean, they do even make fun of Merida to a certain degree, which I thought, ugh, I love that. They did. I, I, I enjoyed the line. <laughs> She's from the other studio. 
It's like, nah, she's Scottish. She's from the other studio. We don't understand her. Like she's 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 a whole thing all all into herself. Nothing happened to her. She didn't have a prince. She had her own story and drove the plot. We don't get her. <laughs> it's her own choices. I mean, the closest thing we get is Rapunzel. Rapunzel's like the closest thing we get to a princess who makes her own decisions. And anyway, we won't get into that. But yeah. <laughs> I just I'm, I just enjoyed that there was a character reason for surrounding Vanellope with the Disney princesses. And, and they found a specific story and character reason for every aspect of the internet that they decided to show. Yeah. Which was... It works out. I, I completely was floored by that. There was a character and story reason for where every spot they went they didn't just um and the ones that they didn't spend a lot of time on for example they just kind of showed so twitter it's like oh it's a tree with birds tweeting <laughs> together and snapchat's just a building that nobody really goes to or understands Ooh. yeah i read that they did not uh, get any sponsorships they didn't approach any company about like being in this movie they just did it and then supposedly i guess like a lawyer probably got clearance later which is why i feel that the reviewers who say this movie is just all product placement and has no character heart like didn't finish the movie <laughs> yeah like to be a film reviewer and get that out of Ralph Breaks the internet like either you weren't paying attention or you didn't watch the movie or you like just turned it off before it was done you, you you're not a very good mind. film reviewer. Yeah. Yeah. You made up your mind from the trailers. They saw the emoji movie and just thought this was that. Mm-hmm. So I don't get that anyway. Is Ralph Breaks the Internet my favorite movie of all time? No. Is it a solidly made story about character with great plot and is surprising? Yes. Indubitably. Without a doubt. I wouldn't even describe this movie. I mean, when I was retelling the plot, I barely mentioned that the things that happen on the internet. The internet is uh, a plot device, but it's not about the internet. No. It's honestly the thing that... The moment that defines really what's going on is... Ralph hearing Vanellope having a conversation with Shank. Yeah. That's the main emotional core there. That, like everything, you don't understand that you're on mute. <laughs> you know, or something is muted. You don't realize. I think that if, if you're going to do a messaging device, um, I think you should be able to... I don't know, the phone answers itself, and then it's in mute, but anyway, it's very clear that she can't hear him, and but he can hear everything she's saying and see that scene take place. And it's just, it's so small in terms of what's happening on screen. It's not a massive set piece or anything, but that's what drives it. That's where it goes. That's, that's everything right there in that one scene. So when you see it, if you haven't already seen it, um, or if you go back, 
that's one of the touch points that the plot hinges and turns and transforms yet again. Mm-hmm. And I did enjoy that when Ralph, and we're getting more into spoiler territory, even more, when Ralph uses the virus and it infects the whole internet with his insecurity, which I think oh. is just the funniest pun. You know, I just, know. It's, it's so a, surprising and wonderful. Insecurity found. Because <laughs> <laughs> what is that called? If your system is vulnerable, if you have a... I mean, that's in there. It's like you have a vulnerability. <laughs> oh, I just love that. <laughs> it just makes me happy. I did want to, I had in my head watching the movie, like when the virus gets out there and the Ralph copies start breaking the internet, I had in my head Ron Howard from Rusted Development saying, hey, that's the name of the movie. (laughs) I somehow didn't see that coming. I didn't see like he's going to actually break the internet. I don't know why I didn't get that. (laughs) It was too easy. Like they'll never do that. I didn't even have that thought. I didn't even thought like it's too easy to actually do that. I just, I don't know. <laughs> he does actually break it. Like it is him breaking the internet. It's like, ah, I see what you did, and I didn't <laughs> see it coming. <laughs> I just the the other thing that that I want to say in, about Ralph breaks the internet is I think it's a masterclass on which is a term that is used way too much, and I'm sorry for using it. But I believe it's a masterclass on how to take this world of things that don't ex- exist, things that are just like concepts, and turning them into characters, like pop-up ads, turning them into characters, and the search bar, um, who is now Disney disney's uh good luck charm um we we looked up how to say his last name and i always ruin it alan tudyk yes so he's been in every of the modern disney films since wreck it ralph i think didn't he like voice a character that just says grunts in one of the movies or something uh he was in moana as um the chicken yes exactly he was the chicken moana how are you the chicken in Moana? <laughs> it's a very chicken sound. I don't understand how Alan made those sounds. Or if they just gave him credit. Talent. <laughs> just talent. <laughs> I just love that. But and, and to bring up Alan Tudyk, <laughs> in the first film, he's the secret villain, the real bad guy of the first Wreck-It Ralph. Um, but in this, he's the search bar and really it's knowledge that helps solve things. So when you know more, you, about each other and and the truth and open yourself up and are vulnerable, but not insecure, that's when friendship and family can happen. So in terms of the climax of this movie, would you say that knowing is half the final battle? <laughs> I would. <laughs> I wouldn't because you had to say it, but um, yes, that's what I'm saying. 
Do you? Knowing <laughs> <laughs> see, so obvious you didn't think battle. I'd go there. Yeah, that was so wonderful. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> and knowing is half the final battle. <laughs> but yes, I agree that this was a masterclass in creating this world. Um, one thing I was thinking about a lot is in college playwriting, uh, we talked about specificity making things universal and how using language or very specific things that aren't necessarily familiar to your audience but aren't too unfamiliar um creates this other world like if you're doing like a hospital drama or like a procedural tv show um or if we're going for like pure theater um the play copenhagen about the ghosts of physicists past and the world of physics um you get that as a non-science theater goer because they use just enough physics words and they explain things that it's still accessible but it's different and separate and i thought this did that with the internet like anyone can get all the internet concepts are doing here but it's clearly a different world yes <laughs> that's all i have to add to that yes <laughs> just um, yes yes is i was um i was really excited about their rule making was very clear but it, they didn't spend a lot of time explaining too much so for example when they first are trying to get the internet to work and mr litwack starts up his computer and gets there and then a little tiny version of mr litwack is created that looks Oddly like a pop Funko, kind of. Mm, yeah. <laughs> He's um, this digital citizen guy. Um, and then all that's said is Vanellope says, hey, that, that looks like Mr. Litwack. And then you realize, oh, that's what people will look like when they're in the internet. When a user goes to the internet, that's what they will look like. That's why it's crowded. They're not all 80s game people going to the internet. It's real people bridging the digital and real world. So it's looking at, yes, this is having a real world connection to these things. And I thought just little things like that of how are we going to explain the rules and what does it look like when somebody goes in the internet and what does it feel like when some, you know, they travel around to things. And I, I really enjoyed knows more and the search bar of trying to auto <laughs> to, to guess what people are trying to say yes um and especially the design the design was very 1960s disney like very mm -hmm. graphical it felt like um i'm trying to think of there, there were a couple of old shorts from the 60s that where you have like an owl in a in a mortar board, like knows more that where it's very, very graphical and it's like, Hey, we're doing the educational thing. And I'm glad that it feels like such a Disney thing, but it feels really old school, but they were able to do that digitally. It just, well, I believe they also animated his glasses and eyes traditionally. Isn't that the thing? Did they? Did Cause that, that would make perfect sense. I am remembering things that I'm not citing right now, so I'm sorry, listeners, if I'm misquoting. <coughs> but 
but I believe that his eyes and glasses were traditional animation on top of the 3D model, which is partly why he's so charming and memorable. Uh, just because it's like this weird mix of animation that you can't quite place when you're first looking at it, and then as soon as you hear it, like you just did, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a lot like the, the mini um, Maui tattoo <laughs> that yes. was done as traditional 2D animation <laughs> and then placed on top of the model. So that, that makes perfect sense. And he, he's really expressive in a way that you don't expect from a digital character. So look at them. Ah, oh, that makes me happy. That makes me Innovating. happy. <laughs> innovating with their own stuff from the past. <laughs> it's not like Disney's ever innovated with every movie ever. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to say about this film that we haven't already said? I feel like we've jumped around, but we've hit everything that I wanted to honor in this film. Okay. So, Chris, I have to ask you, did you have a favorite thing in this movie? Actually, I know what it was. It's the princess scene because every other answer is invalid. <laughs> uh, yes, that's true. Every, <laughs> everything else would just be a, a second place. <laughs> like, I could say something like, I like the character of Knows More, but that's not my favorite thing because it couldn't possibly be. Yeah, I... Actually, I did want to say one more thing, and it has to do with the princess scene, which is for sure my favorite thing as well. Because um, you just said that it was your favorite thing. Um, the princess scene, they talked about how in like one of the first drafts in like 2014, um, one of the screenwriters, Pamela Rabon, I'm probably mispronouncing that, she wrote the scene, and it's basically unchanged since 2014. Mm. And as as a writer and dialogue writer also i'm purely delighted because i know the feeling like when you write something on the first draft you're writing you're like this is almost perfect i don't need to change hardly anything and i'm delighted for them that that happened because it is <laughs> it's genius you don't need to change anything i don't think they hardly edited anything in this scene i think it could have gone on a little longer personally like, I could have lived in that world a little longer. And I know that it's just me wanting to hang out in that environment that they created with those characters. And so I'm not saying plot or story or character-wise. That's just me being a greedy fan for that feeling of that scene. After Ralph that breaks the internet, I feel like the story of our main two characters is really complete now. If they spin off anything into a TV show, I hope it's this iteration of these Disney princesses. I would see, you know, three-minute shorts on YouTube of the Disney princesses backstage. Yeah. Backstage Disney princesses. I, I, would, I would love to see that. And their I little know that misadventures. They're like a thing already. Like, the Disney princess brand is a thing. I've never watched any of that, to be honest. I don't know if there is anything to watch. There's nothing this to is, watch. This is <laughs> the first time I've been to like... Buy. Yeah, but this movie is the first time to be like, oh, Disney princesses, I get it. <laughs> I'm on board, like, give me more Disney princess adventures. Now, one thing that, um, for folks out there, 
one thing that Rich Moore did say on Twitter is that the comfortable clothing that the Disney princesses wear is available to buy. Oh, good. I need the Ariel t-shirt. <laughs> I hope it comes in so, my size. <laughs> so um, if you go to, I believe, I think it's shopdisney.com. Not to, not to be a I'm literally placeholder. going there right now. But um, see if you can find those. And if you can find them, let us know. Because um, I know several people who might want in on that action. So. Oh. Ariel PJ set for women. It's a women's cut. There ah, is a. To wear it. <laughs> there is a Tiana rock candy vinyl figure by Punko of her in her relaxing outfit. Oh, there's Ooh. all of them in their. Neat. Boys and shirt for women. Okay, men. <laughs> Ugh, like nothing. It's like nothing. I want all the princess shirts. <laughs> the men's section is just all the Funkos. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, um, Disney, uh, at least make two. At least two. <laughs> Single edition men's versions of these shirts. <laughs> On that note, should we talk homework time? Yes. For your homework, watch the Hanukkah special of Rugrats, which was Rugrats season four, episode one. And watch if you if you feel like doing it, watch the Adam Sandler film Eight Crazy Nights. Yes, it's time for our annual holiday special, holiday special, typically named our very special Christmas special, Christmas special. But this year, we're, we're, we're hanging out with Hanukkah, even though by the time it airs, um, Hanukkah will be over. But, you know, it, it can go on. It's a pre-Christmas, post-Hanukkah special. <laughs> As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can find us on the web on Twitter at WG Animated. Let us know what your favorite scene in Ralph Breaks the Internet was, or if something that we missed, let us know. Um, be the lovely fans that we know you can be. And like us on Facebook.com slash WG Animated. And you can find links to show notes and articles and interviews that we'll have listed here on our show notes. I feel like in the spirit of Ralph Breaks the Internet, we should just end with a Rick roll. Never gonna give you up. Never, never. gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and desert you. Good night, everybody.